Wimbledon. Do you remember uh, this Wimbledon tennis final of uh, about six years ago, I think it was? At long last, we had a British contender in the men's single final. It hadn't, hadn't happened for decades. And uh, Andy Murray walked out on court and he, he had all the hope and expectation of the whole of the nation on his shoulders. Only one thing stood between Andy Murray and great fame and glory around the world. Unfortunately, that one thing was Roger Federer. Three and a half hours later, and as we see in the picture, Andy's game was shattered. He suffered a four-step defeat, and when it came to that, cool post-match interview that they gave. Um, he just couldn't stop the tears flowing. And you know, Andy's story reminds me of my own big sporting disappointment. I'm about seven. It's my first full sports day. I'm not a sporting I'm told that I can enter for a maximum of three races. But I decide that actually sports days aren't for me, and I won't be entering anything. For some reason, Miss Dale, teachers out there, I remember her name, Miss Dale decided that my reluctance to participate meant that actually I should be forced to run in three races. that it was a long way And by the time I crossed the line, the cheering completely just stopped. Um, fortunately, there wasn't a post-sports day interview that I had to go through. But given that I remember this today, I reckon maybe there were some tears flowing, don't you? What I did was I chose to never take part in a full-sports day ever again. I confessed to you this morning, and I'm not sure I've ever confessed this to anybody else, but later in my school career, I actually pulled a few sickies in order not to be there and be encouraged to take part. Sadly, it would be about another 20 years before I actually started to take physical exercise and enjoy it again. Now, Andy Murray. Fortunately for the nation, he's made of much sterner stuff, isn't he? Because he was found wanting on that day, in that, you know, in that first final, what he did was he made significant changes to his training, he developed greater stamina, he worked on his technique, um, I think he became a much more aggressive tennis player, and what happened? He's gone on to win three Grand Slam titles and two gold Olympic medals. Life has its ups and downs, doesn't it? Uh, moments of great joy, great success, but also the challenge of, of disappointment, maybe humiliation, maybe pain. That's the experience of all of us, isn't it? And just like me and Andy, we can all choose how we react and what we do with those experiences. 
So today we're continuing our Shape for More series, and we've been looking at how our spiritual gifts, our heart or our passion in life, our abilities, our personality, shape us in a particular way. And you'll have gathered that this morning we've reached the E in shape, and we're talking about experiences. And we're going to turn to the Bible, and we're going to hear about some of St. Paul's life experiences. Let me pray before I um, read the Bible and then speak. Lord, we are so grateful for your presence here this morning, and we're grateful that you speak to us. You speak to us through your written word, and you speak to us as we're listening each and every day, and we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open to you this morning. So, um, in a moment, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 11, and start to read at verse 22. You can turn to that if you've got a, a Bible in any form with you, but the words will come up on the screen as well. Now, you know that after Paul um, encountered Jesus, um, his life became a real adventure. Um, ceaseless traveling, um, great danger that he faced. In fact, as he writes this letter to the church in Corinth, he is in um, danger. And um, also, the people that he's writing to in Corinth are at risk of being taken in by some false apostles. And so what Paul does in this letter is he writes to them, and um, in this passage, he compares his ministry to that of the false apostles. And as he does that, he does a bit of boasting. Okay, there's a bit of boasting about his life, and this is what we read from verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at school, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? So that's Paul boasting, and he boasts in a, a really peculiar way, doesn't he? He doesn't boast about the huge crowds that he's been addressing, he doesn't boast about um, the healings he's seen or the number of churches he's planted. Rather, he highlights these terrible experiences he's had. And most of them are unimaginable for, for us today, aren't they? Just the 
unimaginable. And everyone has their own story. What would your story look like? That's not my story. It's not your story. But if we were to highlight the highs and lows of our lives in a paragraph, maybe a more modern-day story might include some of these things. The good, the bad, the keen awful. Today I want to show that God doesn't waste these experiences. Rather, God intends our experiences, good and bad, as a blessing. So, you know, we can fall into the trap of viewing our experiences as a curse. That's a very strong word to use. <laughs> but if I live my life in some way limited, restricted, inhibited, spoiled by a past experience, then am I not treating that experience like a curse? You see, God never wastes anything. This teaching series is called Shape for More. God didn't shape us for less. Jesus promised us fullness of life. This is what we read in Romans 8, verse 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. It doesn't say that we wish this. It doesn't say that we fervently hope this. It says we know. We know. And it says in all things. Really? All things? Does that include my divorce? Does that include the death of a child? Does that include the job you lost? Does that include the illness that you currently endure? All things. Often difficult to believe when we're going through it. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. God works these things for the good of those who love Him. And if you're here with us this morning and you would say that you don't yet know and love God, well, first of all, let me say you are so welcome. It's lovely to have you with us. I hope you hear more this morning about how God can make such a big difference in your life. You might know the story of Joseph. Uh, in the musical, he's the guy with the uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat. His experience, what was his experience like? Well, he was sold into slavery. He was falsely imprisoned for many years, forgotten in jail. And he looked back on those experiences much later in life when he had risen to the highest um, position in the country of Egypt under the Pharaoh. And he said this to his brothers, who were the people who had sold him into slavery. He said to them, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. God intended it for good. Now, I don't want anybody to, to mishear me this morning. I, I think that we're expected to try really hard and put a positive spin on, on all our bad experiences. It's actually healthy to be honest about how we feel and, and to um, 
speak out our grief, to express any anger that we might feel. But the good news this morning, the good news is that God intends those experiences to be a blessing. You see, God helps us to learn from our experiences. We're called to remember them, embrace them, not run away from them. You remember how Paul listed all those horrible things that have happened to him. And you might think, well, he'd want to forget those. They must have been so painful. And sometimes we think it's healthy to you know, really try hard to forget or to hide what's happened in our past. But when we do that, I think we risk not learning. And if we don't learn, then the experiences just stay with pain. Someone once said that if we ignore history, then we are doomed to repeat it again and again. We don't automatically get older and wiser, unfortunately. It's a choice that we make. So God intends us to learn and to grow. So that Joseph, who was able to forgive his brothers, was a much-changed man, wasn't he? He learned, he grew. So what we can do is we can examine our lives. We can look for patterns, maybe in relationships that we've had. What worked well, what wasn't so good. Recall what made us feel truly happy and fulfilled. And this doesn't need to be self-help. You know, a self-help book would say, look within. But we can look to God. We can ask Him to help us to discover our own uniqueness. If we're following Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is our constant companion in this process. And we will have an opportunity, if you're in one of our small groups going through the Shape for More series, then we have an opportunity to examine our lives in this way um, in our small groups this week. When I was about 20, I, um, I made a tapestry and I gave it to my mum as a present. Um, some of you who know me know I'm not very creative, so you're going to be very surprised that I was able to make something like this. It's all right, you don't have to be polite. That's the back of the tapestry. You're all thinking, oh, I bet my mum was really pleased to get it right. This is the back. This is the side where you see the knots. You see the crossed over bits of wool. You see a muddle of colour. And I think often our lives are like this. They seem messy, muddled, downright ugly. This is the other side of the tapestry. She was pleased. She was pleased. I like to think of this as God's perspective. This is the way that God sees our lives. There's beautiful pattern and designs. And I believe that we can trust God to reveal that perspective to us over the course of our lives. So I'd urge you this morning as you look back or maybe as you're going through times of loss now, don't turn away from God, but rather turn to Him, run into His arms, learn, allow Him to help you to learn from these experiences. My third point this morning is that God gives us opportunities to use our experiences. 
one of the lessons of this shaped for Moore's series has been that we're all different. Uh, we're all uniquely shaped by God for his, his purposes. And it means that I'm meant to pay, play a particular role in the body of Christ. So how can my experiences help me in that? Well, let's look earlier in that letter to the Corinthians. Um, right back in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, Paul starts this letter by saying how his knowledge of God has been deepened by the recent experience he's had. So, chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read from the message version and read um, verses 3 and 4. All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times, so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. God comforts us in our suffering, and we can comfort others. So we can take everything that God has made to be, us to be and, and choose to use it for his glory. Specifically, we can even use our experiences, good and bad, to help people who are going through what we've gone through. You see, we are survivors, aren't we? We're survivors. When you're going through life-changing experience, there's nothing more encouraging and helpful than talking to somebody who's been through it and come out the other side. You see, I can, you know, say I encountered these lovely new parents this morning, <laughs> and I can pray for them, but it's difficult for me to truly empathize, and I'd certainly have no credibility if I went and offered some advice, because I'm not a parent. I've never been there. If you're a parent, then you have been shaped by that experience, and you can help others. You can say, yeah, I remember the terrible twos. You can share that story about the meltdown in the freezer aisle in Sainsbury's. And you can have a good laugh about it, and then you can say, and look, our child's quite normal. <laughs> we all came through it. That's encouraging. You can truly empathize, can't you? You can listen, encourage, advise. And we can motivate others with what we've done. A couple of weeks ago, um, Roger Bannister died at a grand old age. And people still remembered that amazing run when he ran a mile in less than four minutes. It was a long time ago, 60 plus years ago. It was such a big event because that had seemed really daunting, almost impossible. But do you know, within a year of him running a mile under four minutes, 24 other men went on to achieve the exact same thing after it had been viewed as an almost impossible feat. Once he showed it could be done, then others were inspired to do it for themselves. That's how it works. I was reminded of our Fit for Life group who started about a year ago, who've gone on um, to lose so much weight. Um, it's just amazing. They've got a Facebook group, they're able to encourage one another, and they encourage us as well. They are a lovely, lovely story of great success in areas around fitness and battling with issues around food. We benefit from hearing somebody else's experience, don't we? 
So maybe you've gained some wisdom you can share. This is what it says in um, Proverbs 25. It says, a warning given by an experienced person to someone willing to listen is more valuable than gold rings or jewelry. Isn't that wonderful? Or maybe you're called to be involved in a ministry that uses your experiences. Maybe working with young people, reaching out to the homeless, or those struggling with addictions, or with their finances. My own personal story is that, you know, I went through um, a breakdown of my marriage more than, well, about 30 years ago now. I am absolutely passionate about praying for people's marriages. Sometimes it breaks my heart when people share their stories. But I believe that God has put me somewhere where I can help because I've been there. And I'm committed to praying for all your marriages on a regular basis. Why? Because experience tells me they need it. How do your unique experiences shape you? As I said, there's going to be an opportunity to explore this more in our small groups together this week. But I want to um, just come to a close by telling you about the picture that I've been using on my slides this morning. If there's anybody out there who speaks Japanese, I apologize because there's no way I will pronounce this correctly. But I believe this is called Hintsukuroi. This is the Japanese word for the art of repairing pottery using silver and gold. And the belief is that the piece of pottery is much more beautiful afterwards for having been broken. And as I think about all of us with all our unique experiences, and if we're able to embrace our brokenness as the blessing that God intends, and we learn learn from those experiences and use them for good, for God's glory. Well, I have to say I'm quite overcome by the potential power of that.